guys, it's Tana. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Oddity Podity. I'd like to thank y'all for listening and for hitting the support link in the show notes to help us out that way as well. I've got a day job, just like the rest of you, and it helps support my podcast habit, so every little bit helps. Speaking of my day job, it recently required me to leave the country for a couple weeks, and it's the first time that I've traveled abroad that I thought I might not make it back. My boyfriend accompanied me on this trip, and while we were there, he had a medical emergency that required him to be hospitalized in Zurich for almost two weeks. Now, I've talked about a lot of terrifying things on this show, but being hospitalized in a foreign country is a level of terror that I've never experienced, and I hope that you never do either. Luckily for us, the Swiss offer excellent health care, so we were in good hands. If you're going to get sick, Switzerland is the place to be. Special thanks to our friends at Spital Bulach for being the best ever and for treating us so well. But before we checked into the Spital and I set up camp in a chair that doubled as a bed for a thousand and one nights, I did manage to get some sightseeing in. First, I did a self-guided tour of Old Town in Zurich. Then I stayed a few nights at the legendary Bergenstock Hotel, which overlooks Lake Lucerne. All of these locations have super interesting histories that include some haunt as well. So if you think that Switzerland is only about cheese, chocolate, and watches, keep listening. I mean, you're not completely wrong, but keep listening anyway, because it's also full of history and haunts. Five months ago, I learned that I'd be traveling to Switzerland for work, and I was beyond sight. I decided to take some extra vacation days and extend the trip so that I could visit Germany as well. My boyfriend was born in Germany, and we'd always planned on seeing his birthplace, so this was the once-in-a-lifetime chance we had to do it. Little did I know that he would nearly die on the pilgrimage to where he was born. But before he got so sick, when we still thought that he just needed a few bags of eye dehydration and we'd be good to go, I went ahead to where we planned to stay, which was at the Bergenstock Hotel, which overlooks Lake Lucerne. If you follow our Instagram, you might have seen the video I posted of my view from the Bergenstock, complete with a cowbell soundtrack. That's because the hotel, which sits at the very top of a mountain, is surrounded by fields and farms. It's absolutely gorgeous, and I'd live there if I had the money or any farming skills whatsoever. Even though the Bergenstock is 150 years old, it doesn't appear to be haunted at all, which was kind of disappointing. I mean, if I was a ghost, I'd totally want to spend the afterlife there. Maybe there are some ghosts there, but they're all out sightseeing or buying watches. Seriously, the Swiss are so aggressive about trying to convince you to buy a watch. They even have watch vending machines, no lie. Anyway, the Bergenstock Resort was first opened in 1873, and it quickly became a popular destination for rich and famous types. In this regard, it kind of reminded me of the first incarnation of the 1886 Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, which is sometimes called Little Switzerland of the Ozarks. Some of the famous guests who stayed at the Bergenstock in its heyday include Audrey Hepburn, who married Mel Farrar at the Bergenstock Chapel in 1954. I took a picture of that chapel, which I'll also post to the Instagram. Sophia Loren lived at the resort for several years, and Sean Connery filmed scenes for Goldfinger there. There's also this thing there called the Hammett Schwand Lift, which is the highest outdoor elevator in Europe, a terrifying thing on its own. 
I wasn't brave enough to get on the lift, but there's a mountain trail that leads up to it, and I hiked up there one day. The Hammett Schwann lift was also featured in the movie Goldfinger, so now I want to go back and watch the movie so I can see all of it. Like I said, the Bergenstock overlooks Lake Lucerne, where apparently there is also no hauntings, which is weird because recently an ancient village was discovered at the bottom of the lake. The village dates back to the Bronze Era, which is about 1000 BC, and it consisted of a bunch of wooden poles and ceramic fragments that belonged to prehistoric pile dwellings, or houses that stood on stilts above water. This means that the city of Lake Lucerne is thousands of years older than they originally thought, which would lead one to believe that surely there were some ghosts hanging around the place, but alas, I could find none. Maybe the place is so beautiful that when people die, they think they're already in heaven, so they don't bother haunting anyone. Although I couldn't find any good ghost stories, the lake itself has some really neat legends and myths associated with it. First is the story of William Tell, the folk hero who shot an apple off his son's head with a crossbow to defy a tyrannical ruler. According to the legend, William Tell escaped from his captors by jumping off a boat near the Axe and Cliffs on the lake shore. I actually rode a ferry across that lake multiple times. It's pretty neat. Another legend says that there is a dragon living in the depths of the lake, which occasionally emerges to cause storms and floods. So basically, Lake Lucerne is home to Daenerys Targaryen, and it's all kind of Game of Thrones over there. According to these stories, the mountain that rises above the lake, which is called Mount Pilatus, was once inhabited by dragons that had magical powers and could control the weather. People through the ages have claimed to have seen or heard those dragons flying over the lake or hiding in the caves of the mountain. One of the most famous dragon legends about it is about a farmer who found a wounded dragon on the shore of the lake and nursed it back to health. The dragon rewarded him with a pearl and a prophecy about his future. Another legend says that a dragon stone fell from the sky and into the lake, which caused a huge wave that flooded the nearby villages. I mean, that could account for a Bronze Age village that now lays at the bottom of the lake. The dragon legends are part of the cultural heritage of the region. On Mount Pilatus, there is a dragon trail that leads visitors through the history and the stories of these mythical creatures. There's also a Dragon World exhibition that shows interactive displays and animations of the dragons. Now, if you think all this talk of dragons is a big old hunk of baloney, let me lay this on you. Recently, the fossils of giant extinct marine reptiles have been found in a most unlikely place. You guessed it, in the high altitudes of the Swiss Alps. The find included the skeletons of three ichthyosaurs, which were some of the largest animals that ever lived on Earth. These ancient creatures definitely resembled dragons, as they could reach 80 tons in weight and 65 feet in length. This rivals the size of sperm whales, and they're believed to be about 250 million years old. Ichthyosaurs are described as fish lizards, as they look like dolphins with elongated bodies and small heads. If you saw one of them way back when swimming around in the lake, you might just think it was a dragon. I'm really sad that I didn't get to go do that dragon trail on Mount Pilatus, but I had to cut the Bergenstock trip short and head back to Zurich to the hospital. Now, the Swiss are super strict about their visiting hours, so I wasn't allowed to sit up camp there right away. Now, I had to do a little finessing before they'd allow that. So before I could pull that off, I was able to spend a little more time exploring the city. Unlike Lake Lucerne, Zurich has a ton of super haunted places. The first place I headed was called the Altstadt, which means the Old Town. If you've ever played World of Warcraft, it reminds me a lot of Straight Home. 
In fact, most of Switzerland reminds me of different areas of WOW. Like Strathelm, the Altstadt is divided into four quarters, and each quarter has its own theme, but also shares some common features, such as cobblestone streets, medieval houses, and fountains, which is also like Strathelm. Several buildings in the older part of the city are pretty dang haunted. Some of the highlights include a place called Opfelshammer, which is a 200-year-old tavern that challenges guests to finish a glass of wine while hanging from a ceiling beam. Seriously, Google this. It looks like just the sort of thing that I injured myself doing, and I regret that I wasn't able to, but the place wasn't always a tavern. The building was originally a home for Swiss nobles more than 650 years ago. Then, in the 17th century, it was converted to an apple storage chamber where it earned its name, Apfelschammer, the word Apfel meaning apple in German. After that, it became a bakery, and in 1801, one of the bakers got a liquor license, and the rest is history. This baker guy is the guy who enabled the Balkan probe, or the beam challenge, to become a thing. According to the Apfelschammer's official website, here are the rules. Number one. You have to pull or swing yourself up into the first beam. Women are allowed to do this from the bench. Yay. This is the hardest part of the beam challenge. It's getting yourself up onto that beam. Number two, with your head up, you climb from the window over both beams. At the second beam, you hang down to your belly without falling. Number four, whilst in this position, you have to drink a full glass of wine, which is donated by the bar, helpfully. But you have to drink that whole glass of wine in one go without spilling anything. Number five, you then come back down head first. I'm not sure how that's supposed to happen. Sounds like you have to fall. Anyway, number six, you are only allowed to carve your name in the wood once you have managed to do the beam challenge. If you don't pass the challenge, then you have two more tries each evening. So you get to carve your name into the beam if you win. So there you have it, only six simple steps to immortality. The oldest contender to win this challenge was 67 years old. And once, 88 beam challenges were completed in just 88 minutes. So why and how did this beam challenge come about? According to the legend, they do it in honor of the former owner of the tavern who died in a fire in 1890. It's his ghost who haunts the bar to this day. People have reported seeing his apparition or hearing his footsteps down in the cellar. Spooky. If I ever get the chance to go back to Switzerland, mark my words, I will complete this challenge. Another site that I regret not getting to see is its thing called the Moulagen Museum. This is the grossest wax museum that you'll ever see because it's dedicated to wax representations of disfiguring diseases such as leprosy, syphilis, and cancer. The museum has a collection of over 2,000 moulages or wax models that are used for medical education and research. If you Google this, you'll see how very realistic and gruesome they really are. More disturbing is that a lot of them are of children. So just wanted to throw out that trigger warning. If dead children get to you, do not Google this. This place reminds me of the Museum of Death in New Orleans, but it actually has a more practical use for its grossness. Because like I said, these wax figures actually serve as a teaching collection for medical students and are much more educational than digital or paper diagrams because you can feel and see them in 3D. But here's the spooky part. Visitors have reported feeling uneasy or nauseous while looking at the exhibits, which actually totally makes sense because that's how I felt looking at them online. And that's how I felt in the Museum of Death in New Orleans. However, 
Others have even claimed to hear the moans or cries of pain coming from the moulages, which led it to be believed that the museum is actually haunted. I don't know about that. You know, today I was talking to my daughter who's in medical school, and she was telling me about the live models that they practice on this afternoon. Live models are people who work from nine to five, allowing medical students to probe them in every orifice so that they can become experts at it before they have to poke and prod on an unsuspecting patient. And I do mean every orifice. I was curious about how much a job like that pays, and it turns out that it pays extremely well. So I might be looking at a new career in the future if I can numb myself to pain and humiliation. I mean, I do a podcast every week, so I should already be numb to all that, right? Maybe I should try to become an expert in making moulages for American students instead. Hmm, That could be a thing. While the Moulage Museum may or may not be haunted, there's one place that everyone agrees definitely is. That's Junkerngas 54. Junkerngas 54 is an abandoned house in Old Town that is said to be haunted by a woman dressed in black. She sometimes appears at a window or at a balcony looking sad or angry. According to some sources, though, between midnight and 1 a.m. in the morning, you might see the windows of the house open and the image of a headless woman appear. Though she has no mouth, the air will fill with the sound of crazed laughter. No one knows for sure who she is or why she haunts the house. Some believe that she's the spirit of a woman who was the victim of domestic violence while she lived there. Others think the apparition is even older and that she's the specter of a woman who was executed for witchcraft back in the medieval days. The house is one of the oldest homes in Zurich, having been built way back in 1450. It stands on what was once called Noble Lane. So of course it was once owned by a noble family, but later became a brothel and a tavern. It seems like every house we talk about that was once owned by a noble family eventually becomes a brothel or a tavern. It's like the natural life cycle of a house must include those two incarnations if the home lives on for more than a century. Anyway, the hauntings in this house became so intense that eventually even brothel and bar workers refused to go near it. And the house has been empty for decades, some sources say since 1895. That's probably because back when the house was inhabited, the woman in black was known to roam the halls at all hours, both with and without her head. Because of this, no one dares to buy the house or renovate it. Tourists that have tried to take pictures of the house see their photos come out blurry and distorted. Now, I watched a news video on YouTube about the place, and even though it's surrounded by occupied apartments with lit-up windows, the windows of number 54 are boarded up. Now, earlier I said that the windows would open. That reminds me of the Ursuline convent, where the top shutters of the attic are boarded up, but I saw them open. This building has clearly been abandoned, but that doesn't stop a group of ghost hunting ladies from entering it and trying to connect with the spirit of the lady in black. I will say that it looks like someone did attempt to renovate the place at some point, but didn't finish or abandon the project midstream. I'm not sure if the ghost hunters connected with anything either because I don't speak Swiss German, but it was obvious that the place was empty, especially when the news camera panned out and showed the entire neighborhood lit up in lights except for this one building with wooden shutters nailed over its windows. Speaking of ghost hunters, there's a story about two students who didn't believe in paranormal activity and decided to crash the place and have a sleep-in to prove that there's no such thing as ghosts. The next morning when they emerged from the building, their hair had turned completely white. The last creepy thing that I didn't get to see doesn't exist anymore. 
It's something called Der Traun Automat, which means the morning machine. This is actually a vending machine that was set up at the entrance of Zurich's largest cemetery, which is called Sifield. The machine sold things like tissues, candles, rosaries, condolence cards, and even alcohol. It even sold a tiny music box that played You Are My Sunshine, which is kind of morbid. Some people thought the machine was in poor taste and they were offended by it and even attacked the machine and vandalized it. But the artist that created it said that the intent of the machine was to destigmatize grief and maybe poke a little fun at the commercialization of just about everything in our world. In addition to the world's most morbid snack dispenser, the cemetery also has a service center that offers information and counseling on death and mourning. It's called the Office of the Last Journey, and it also has an exhibition on the subject of death like collections of memorabilia that were left behind by lost loved ones. According to atlasobscura.com, the vending machine was removed as of June of 2022. I personally commend the Swiss for trying to provide help for those suffering from the grief of loss. Perhaps I should have put Cheetos in the vending machine and people wouldn't have been so angry about it. But one thing I learned about Switzerland is that they don't really do junk food like we do in the States. They don't have drive through fast food places and they have like three varieties of chips total. I got addicted to the paprika flavor and Coca-Cola is pretty much the only soft drink they have. Everyone walks, rides a bike, or takes a train, which is probably why the entire country looks like it's in the middle of a giant CrossFit competition. Everyone there is totally ripped. I saw two, two, a total of two overweight people while I was there, and one was a fellow American. They don't eat a lot of meat either. It's mostly bread, veg, and fruit. Vehicles actually stop at crosswalks for pedestrians, which was perhaps the biggest surprise to me. And while on the train, people look out the windows and they read books or they talk to each other. Very few people play on their phones in public. And absolutely no one looks at their phone while driving. I swear the penalty for that must be death because I saw zero people texting while driving. It was pretty cool. So while I didn't get to see as much of Switzerland as I'd liked, I sure did like what I saw. I'm hoping that I'll have another chance in my lifetime to visit again. And if I do, I'm definitely doing the Dragon Trail and the Wine Beam Challenge. And y'all will be the first to hear about it too. Guys, thanks for your patience with me and for spending your time with me this week. I really, really, really appreciate your support. I hope you'll come again and see me next week, same time, same place, for a little more history and a little more hot. We'll see y'all then.